We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, I'm Jackson Dart. You're listening to the Oxford Exxon Podcast on MPW Digital. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MPW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into a special edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm Neil McCready. Joining me today on the show, it's Barstool's Ben Mintz. Saw uh, Ben in Oxford for the uh, Ole Miss Mercer game. He's kind enough to uh, join us. We're going to get him on here in just a minute. There he is right now. There's Ben. Ben, I've never done it this way where I record and bring you in. So that was the little, I learned something new today. So you're, you're, you're there you were, go. Always you, evolving. You were my guinea pig. Appreciate you. Uh, appreciate hey, you being on. Happy to do it. So Here, I, me show, I'm going to shut this blind because I think I got a little light. Okay. Go ahead and get, you can do it. I'll tell you real quick while Ben's getting that set up. We're brought to you by, uh, we're presented by Twisted Tea. Uh, are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea, packs a flavorful punch, 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football, your passion for creating unforgettable memories. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences with Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted to the Campbell Clinic hotline and Ben Mintz. Ben, I have to start here, man. You've had a wild year. Um, that That's putting it mildly. What, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go backwards in a minute, but I want to ask you about this. What was it like for you? I'm assuming you saw it. Your, ho- your uh, friend, your boss, Dave Portnoy, was being interviewed by Tucker Carlson. <laughs> and Tucker Carlson and Dave Portnoy are talking about you and about the role you sort of not play, but the role that you sort of represent in some of the things that go on in American society, American culture these days. You are a touchstone moment in the eyes of 
Tucker Carlson in the eyes of Dave Portnoy in the eyes of a lot of people, self-included who watched that interview. I was thinking about you as I was watching that. I was like, what would, what must Ben Mintz be thinking in this moment? Freaking crazy is what I'm thinking. Uh, it, 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 the whole thing has been just crazy to go through, uh, obviously, because anybody that knows me and follows me, like, I mean, I feel like I'm one of the least malicious people you're really going to ever meet. And so it's like an ironic thing where I feel like maybe I was where the cancel culture stuff went too far. And it's just wild because I like stay as far as I can out of politics. I'm here for entertainment, you know, and, you know, I just made, I just slipped and made a mistake. You know, I don't know what to say. Like, you know, what's funny, no- you, it's funny not to interrupt you, but you say that. And I've known you now for what, three years, you and I've kind of known each other pretty well. Yeah. I, I have no idea regarding your political leanings, no clue. Now everybody knows mine, but I have no idea what yours are. And that, and that, Go ahead with your story, but I was going to interject yeah, my that. Point, my point is, is I just try to stay. My thing with it is I just try to stay out of it. Uh, and obviously everybody knows what happens. I mean, I was just reading my phone and I slipped on something just like, and I instantly knew it. I instantly apologized. There was no maliciousness. There was no anything. It was just I made a mistake on camera in the heat of the moment, and I owned it. I, I instantly apologized. I tweeted apology. You know, whatever. I didn't mean anything by it. And – it was a wild couple days after that happened because Dave Portnoy. So what happened was immediately when that show was over, Dave called me and calmed me down because I was freaking out, obviously. And Dave was like, look, just go apologize. It's going to be okay. You know, he was super calm with me on the phone, though, like was not yelling. Like he knew I was upset. And the, the next couple of days were real interesting because like I was freaked out for a few hours, but I kind of calmed down Monday afternoon. I was like, look, you know, anybody that knows me knows I just like slipped. It's not like a malicious thing. And then I sent like an email to our CEO, Erica Nardini, like a pretty buttoned up four paragraph email Tuesday, like apologizing. Like obviously I didn't mean to put you in the spot. Like I, I'm honored to work at Barstool, et cetera. And she sent me back, like you made an idiotic, but very honest, stupid mistake. Don't ever do it again. And so right when she said that, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get fired. And then on Wednesday morning, this is like May 3rd, Dave calls me and Dave calls me. He's like, look, me and Big Cat, me and Dan and Eric all just like laid it down. We don't want to fire you. We know you just made an idiotic mistake and it's like not, you know, whatever. And he's like, but I don't know what Penn's going to do. And right when he said that, I'm like, I'm getting fired. Because that was him calling me, kind of washing his hand, you know, like giving me a warning. And then Erica, our CEO, FaceTimed me that afternoon, like literally almost crying, emotional telling me when I was let go. And I was actually calm when it, when it happened. Cause I just believed like in my heart, I have a lot of good relationships and like anybody with any common sense could see there was no intent or maliciousness. And, but it was just wild to go through something to where I, <laughs> this whole thing's been crazy. And so this net, the May was interesting, but I had a lot of job offers and stuff. Cause I was worried at first I was like, man, I got to get my poker game sharp. Because I'm not going to be able to get hired for three to five years after this. Can, this current can, can we back up a second? So, yeah, you, whatever you want to have. so you get fired. They didn't want to fire you. I watched Dave's emergency press conference thing that day. And it was obvious that it was completely sincere. This was not something he agreed with. It was not something he wanted to do. He thought it was something that was going to hurt Barstool. He, he 
thought a lot of people would view it as hypocritical. He made sure that people knew it was pin, and yet he knew that this was this was not good. You could tell it just didn't sit well with him. That yeah, you 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 made a mistake. You can call it a stupid mistake. You can call it an idiotic mistake. Whatever. A mistake's a mistake, but there's a difference in a malicious mistake and a mistake mistake. People make mistakes. You say something wrong, something comes out of your mouth wrong. Um, you use a word that that like it almost happened to me the other day with a word that I'm not gonna say it now, not the N-word, but a different a different word where I was like, Oh, I don't think you can say that in this era. And I caught myself with, Oh, I don't I don't think you can do that. And it was a it was it was a different word. So I'll leave it there. But what blew me away was the vitriol on social media. A, a lot of people defending you, but a lot of people attacking you. They didn't even know you. They knew nothing about you. And all of a sudden, they want to paint you in that corner. And it really pissed me off watching it. I was like, wait a minute. This guy, of this guy's a teddy bear. He's just... He's just a nice guy. He's got this crazy good story, and he, he's worked really hard, and he got this opportunity, and he busted his ass, and, and this happens, and, and, and people were celebrating your, quote, demise, end quote, and it just really bugged the hell out of me, and it just felt wrong. I'm curious for you, what was that like? Because I got to guess, guess it hurt your feelings. The hardest part for me is Googling my name and seeing uh, the, you know, that ha- like the first thing you see is me and that slipping, you know, and like, so everywhere you look, like I'm going to be associated with that the rest of my life. And that was the hardest part for me because anybody, like literally the week before I ran that 10 K and raised like 50 K for child cancer for hogs. And like, everybody saw that. And like, I mean, I feel like people know, like, I do everything I can. I'm not saying I'm no saint. You know, I never act like I yeah, am. Of course. But I always try to give back and help causes. I mean, I do everything I can on that front. And, like, I, I believe in that. And so that part is what really hurt me the most is, like, anytime you Google my name, I'm just associated with that. Um, as far as the vitriol, overall, it actually wasn't as bad. I know that there were a lot of people that came at me, but, like, the far left and African-Americans both really didn't. And – I was actually surprised, and I actually, in public, like, the way I handled it, I was like, whatever, you could sit around and mope and be depressed and think, woe is me, and play the victim, or you could just get on with your life, and I'm not into this victim culture, or I'm just, I don't live my life like that, and so I was actually out that whole week at Jazz Fest, and I was just like, you know what, I'm just gonna get on with my life, and I mean, you would have thought people thought I was dead. I mean, I must have had 400 people come up to me, like, saying sorry. stuff. So I'm like, man, look, I made a mistake. I lost my job. I don't have cancer. I'm not going to die. Like, it's going to be okay. And I think people were, like, shocked that I was as upbeat as I was uh, as I went through it. But the vitriol online, I mean, yeah, people were all over me, but it wasn't as bad as I thought. Okay. I, the the the. the Thing was, Penn fired me, like, catering to the mob, but the mob never came. And, I mean, I must have had, like, 30 or 40 African-Americans who barely even knew me in the last two or three months come up to me and just say, I know what happened to you, and that is a damn shame. It's ridiculous. And so, you know, overall, I felt okay about, you know, I mean, I just obviously hated what happened, but I think I handled it as good as I could, and I stayed positive, and then I started getting some job offers and stuff. And once that happened and – you know, I got a lot of support. Uh, you know, I mentally think I did as well as I could with it. Obviously, I hated going through it. The interesting part 
was I went radio silent for like 10 days until I figured out my severance and barstool. And the radio silence was deafening because people were like, what is going on when I'm not tweeting or giving out videos? But I was just legally trying to figure stuff out and until I had that solved. Like I was told not to post anything. So I don't know Dave Portnoy. I've never met him. Um, I'll be honest, you know, I'm probably a little old for the some of the barstool shtick. I like his pizza reviews. I think they're funny. Um, but I, I never really had much of an opinion one way or the other about Portnoy. I knew he was really talented. He'd made a ton of money. He'd come up with this creative thing. But I got to be honest, when he did the thing with Brickwatch with you, he won me over. I was like, all right, that's a side. There you go. That's a side of this guy that that I kind of was starting to think was there, but he proved it in that moment. Like, like this is a guy with a big heart. This is a guy who thought, you know, my friend got wronged. And I know he says, ah, you know, Ben Mance, he's just this big goofy idiot or whatever. Oh, but he loved Dave but he, loves me. But he loves yeah. you. And you can tell that he genuinely loves you and he considers you a friend. And when he did that, I was like, this guy, this guy's got something to him. Like this, this, this chapter, I, I remember telling my wife, I'm like, this, this story's not over. There's more to come here. I didn't know, I didn't obviously know what else was coming, but. I'm curious for you that you kind of got emotional when that happened. Um, you had yeah. a, you had other opportunities. What was it about that one? Where you, you know what? I'm going to stay with these people. Oh, I mean, I couldn't leave Dave. For him to create, because after what happened, well, you could tell it sat, sat bad with him with Penn. And when he invented a new job to keep me, I mean, how could I go away from that kind of loyalty? And then, you know, and also you're in the media business like I am. And it's all about relevancy. There's nothing more relevant than working for Dave barstool too right now and oh absolutely for him to create that job i knew i was like i have to stay it was a no-brainer um and you know so i jumped at it I, he actually called me too so i announced i was getting fired on may 3rd he called me i signed my severance on barstool on friday may 12th he called me the next day i mean may 13th and like i knew i was going back to brick watch for 18 days but we we decided to do it as drop it on my 40th birthday. Cause we thought I, we both thought that was awesome. And I did, and I want to do it for the Gleason statue to give, you know, him some love. Uh, but like, I knew for like 18, actually for once, cause I have such a big mouth, like only 10 people knew I was doing it. I kept actually, actually stayed quiet. I was in a, people were wondering why I was in such a good mood. Those couple weeks after I got fired, but I knew I was like, Oh, I know, you know, I already knew uh, it was going to work out. But what was interesting about this summer, this crazy three months, so I took this poker go job like like May 7th or 8th to go work in Vegas. But I went through a pretty bad stretch in June in Vegas where I was spiraling a little bit. Like I, I had to deal with two deaths of people close to me this summer too. And I know that there's been a lot of that lately and that's just something that's going to happen in life. But that happened and I was just like kind of in a weird headspace in Vegas. And, you know, I was never that into it, but I was like hitting the nicotine pen a lot, which had kind of crept up on me, which is something, you know, obviously I don't want to do. And, you know, I just wasn't exercising and I wasn't eating healthy and I was getting my ass kicked in poker and it just wasn't going right in June. And then in late June, I kind of had like a moment where I was like, okay, like we're putting a stop to all this right now. And I threw away the nicotine pen and I started low carb like late June and now, I mean, I'm this is the best I've looked in 10 years. I'm almost, I'll say this, I'm more excited about the health stuff maybe even than Barstool right now. I mean, I'm yeah, like, you, I'm running 10 miles a week. I'm lifting. I got a trainer. I'm at the end of week 11, a low carb. I'm in an XL shirt. Like, I'm so, 
I mean, to anybody who watches this, and you and I have talked about that, I mean, I just can't be more encouraged about it. Because, like, I've always, you know, had a lot of gifts in life, but I fought this health thing my entire life. And, like, to be to just be so encouraged on that right now. Uh, I, I And also, I, I already signed up. I'm running the St. Jude half marathon in December. I'm oh, really good excited. for you. You know, yeah, you and I, I, I didn't know we were going to go down this road, but I, I always have people tell me that they're glad when I do this sometimes. So I, I, they'll be happy to hear this, you and me talk about it. Um, I'm a big believer in, I mean, a big believer in the mental health space and what it does. I mean, you're in, and what physical health does, what exercise does for your mental health. Um, I saw you in Oxford at the Mercer game. I uh, went, came down yeah. at, the, at the end of the game. You look great. Um, it, there's, there's something about getting back into exercise. There's a natural endorphin that kicks in when you exercise and it clears the brain. I'm not saying it makes your problems go away, but you can be really down in the dumps and really depressed and really dark. And if you'll just get out and walk and if you can jog, and then if you can run, man, it's amazing how the heart rate elevates. You start thinking about your exercise you are listening to some music. You just kind of get in a different space. And if you're able to get in and start work yourself into enough shape where you can run some distances, that runner's high or the endorphin or whatever, oh, yeah. whatever you thing. call it, sure. it's a real thing and it kicks in. And you can go from being kind of unhappy to pretty happy in the moment, like at four miles into a run. And you're, you're, you're just sort of pleased. And it's, uh, it, it, you, it's more than just you're proud of yourself and it's more than just, Hey, I'm doing it. And it's just, there's something that kicks in that it, it, it's something that I don't know that I don't know that it's talked about enough. Like you, you're a happier person, lighter than you are heavier. And it, not just because of the way you look, it's not, it's not just your appearance. It's, it's the activity that is involved in, in, in achieving the fitness. Yeah, and also the big thing, too, like I've already been running a lot the last couple of years, but it's like the old you can't outrun a bad diet. I mean, I'll just talk about it on here, man. I'm in a like – I feel like I'm in a war against eating sugar just every day when I wake up. And, you know, they just – what our society has done, they put this crap everywhere. And it's like you have to – when you're trying to commit to healthy – they make it way too hard. I mean, it's like it should be way more encouraged where you're having to just like, man, I mean, I, was, I, I like, I'm trying to eat like 20 to 30 carbs a day. I still eat fruit because it's natural, but like, I mean, all I do, I mean, I'm reading labels, I'm Googling stuff. I have to do this stuff all the time. Like what's your typical what diet? Do. What's your typical diet in a day? And I wake up every day. I eat some eggs. I eat an omelet, some avocado, some fruit. You know, I still eat bacon or sausage, but no toast, no pancake, you know, no hash browns, nothing like that. Um, I still eat steak a few days a week. You know, I eat a lot of vegetables, uh, but I just don't eat bread anymore. And uh, I don't eat potatoes or pasta. And I used to have a thing where I have sweet tooth and crave like ice cream a couple times a week. But I found that after you get through about three or four weeks, a lot of carb, the sweet tooth goes away. And that's the thing with me. Like I already would like, you know, I'm, I'd be overweight, but I could run whatever. But like I've never had control over my nutrition like I do now. And so like it's like crazy. For me to look up, I'm 40 years old. Like you have told me, like, hey man, you're not gonna eat, eat sugar or drink alcohol, and like you're gonna be happier than you've ever been in your life. And yet, that's kind of what's happening here. And 
you know, I'm also lifting weights more now. Like I, I, I like I've realized I need to put some muscle on my frame. And so I'm losing weight a little more gradually because I'm adding muscle, but like, I don't even care about the number. I mean, I'm wearing XL shirts and, you know, 36, 38 in the waist. And, you know, it's, it, if I lose a pound or two a week, it's fine. It's not, people are too obsessed with numbers. So Portnoy buys back Barstool for a dollar, which <laughs> is just it's an incredible story. Well, the funniest part is I helped tank their stock. <laughs> that was the craziest part about it all. And I know it may not be just me, but when they announced my firing that next morning, the stock went from $32 to $24. I mean, like, I can't believe, like, I'm not saying I was the only reason, but I helped move the stock market. That is wild. It is wild. Like my but, dad, the financial advisor, consultant, he called me. He's like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. But, you know, you're right. People are tired of, not all people, but the majority of people. I'm telling you, there's this vote. There's this quiet majority that is afraid to say anything. But people are tired of this cancel stuff. They're they're tired of it. They're they're they don't like it. It scares them because hey, if it happens to Ben Mintz, it could happen to you. It could happen to your son. It could happen to your friend. It could happen to your brother. Whatever the case may be, people are tired of all that stuff. And and they looked at you and they're like, really, this guy's gonna pay that kind of a price over a dumb mistake that he'll never yeah. ma- he'll never make again. I mean, yeah, no. No doubt. No doubt about it. I, I don't know why, though. I was optimistic after it. I was just like, I just somehow believed in my heart of hearts. Like, people are going to give me the benefit of the doubt here. And, you know, and then after that June thing, so July, things were like, it was weird. There was like a really positive vibe in the air, like all of July. And I was losing weight and feeling good. And I was making brick watch money. And I made poker go money. And I actually made some barstool severance money. Like, I actually made more money this summer after I got let go. And like all of a sudden, you know, I was making, saving money and I was getting healthier and just things were positive. And then it just all of a sudden, Dave gets Barstool back for a buck. And I just like look back and I'm like, wow, like I just went through all this. I'm back at Barstool. I saved some money and I've gotten like healthier. Like what a summer, you know, yeah. like, what more can you ask for? And, uh, you know, now he rehired me back. And the other thing we're going to get to now, all of a sudden, I mean, I, who knew a few weeks ago now I'm, fa- I'm facing a Chicago move in early November, which I would have never guessed, but uh, I'm excited about it. And you know, life comes at you fast, man, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it does. So they, you were in New York and then you were planning to move back to Louisiana and then all the stuff. Yeah, I've been in New Orleans since the beginning of the year. I'm yeah. in uptown Tulane. Actually, we'll get into that. I live four minutes from Yuleman. So I'm excited about that on Saturday for sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, I got a lot of pressure from the top of the company from big cat and PFT and Hank and Erica and they didn't say you have to move to Chicago, but like reading the room, like we don't have a Barstool Sportsbook app in Louisiana anymore, Penn Properties, pretty obvious they want people in the office. So I, I, I decided I just needed to do it. Where's the office in Chicago? Uh, West Loop. It's going to be opening in mid-October, supposedly. And they were trying to get me to come early October. I was like, no, like I'm going to enjoy myself during football season. I got him to agree to early November. Big Cat and me had like a big talk. And he was like, you have to be here by the stream of the Bear Saints game on November 4th. And I said, deal. Okay. So, so yeah. And I've, you know, and I've only, you know, I know you're a Cubs fan. You know, I, I, I've been up there a couple of times the last couple of weeks. Man, it was awesome during summer. Hanging out on the beach by Lake Michigan. And, you know, it's going to be a little colder in the winter. But, it's cold. You know, they're building a new state-of-the-art office. Big Cat went and cherry-picked and took a lot of our top guys bring to Chicago. So I'm going to uh, mega making money moved up there too from Louisiana. So, 
you know, it, it just seems like the obvious move. And I told him, like, look, I still want to go to the South lot. He's like, that's fine, whatever. So I think we're going to make the best of it. And, uh, you know, I better just buy more winter clothes because it's going to be a cold winter. Yeah. I mean, I love Chicago. I've never lived there, obviously. I've been there a lot. I've run the marathon there a couple of times. I've been to Cubs games a gazillion times. I, I love the city. I haven't been back since 19, but it's a it's a cool place. It always always felt like it had a vibe to it that I really liked. I know that people talk about that with New York. I always kind of, for some reason, liked Chicago better. And it might just be as simple as the Cubs. It might be nothing but that. But there was always something about um, – I don't know. I just like that town. I'd go up for the convention or I'd go up. Uh, I'd cover the Saints playoff game, NFC championship game. Oh, I was at that too. Many years ago. And I just like the city. I know it's cold in the winter and all that stuff, but you're going to get weather anywhere you go. Cold, hot. I mean, you know, I lived in Mobile where the heat was just suffocating in the summer and it just wore you out. Well, so. Yeah, New Orleans. I mean, I spent four days there this summer on purpose to just dodge it. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's going to be whatever. Uh, it's going to be everywhere, but you know, I'm encouraged. Look, the New York thing is crazy. They're charging five thousand a month for twelve hundred square feet apartments. Like, unless you make five hundred k a year, like, how can you get ahead with that? It's crazy. It's madness. But Chicago, the cost of living is not as bad. So that's that's kind of the key. All right, let's talk some football. You were at uh, you were at Ole Miss's game against Mercer. You, uh, I presume, will be at the Tulane game on uh, on, on Saturday. Uh, what's the mood like in New Orleans uh, around this game? I got to think for Tulane, this is one of the biggest home games maybe in, in their history, certainly in the history of the new stadium. I got to think the people there are just jacked for this game. Yeah, they are. And this is kind of one of those games. I mean, I hate to I hate to say this, but this reminds me of some of those Ole Miss Memphis games in the Liberty Bowl a little bit. Oh, Like, it just because you're playing like Tulane – I mean, they got a top 25 SEC school rolling in. They're coming off their 10-2 and two Cotton Bowl year. They came back at USC. This is like a Super Bowl for them. And so you know they're going to be jacked. Uh, I mean, this – you know, obviously Tulane's only 25,000 people. So I'm not going to sit here and say we're not going into Death Valley. Almost didn't go into Death Valley here. But it's just always weird when you're playing a team that you know how much this game means to them. And Almost beat Tulane, what, 62-21 to 21 two years ago when Tulane – was on the road for Ida. I heard some kind of weird stuff behind the scenes. A lot of Tulane people were upset with their locker room and some accommodation stuff in Oxford, too. Like, there was some weird stuff I kind of heard that they they were mad about. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what that means, but they may want revenge. Who knows? But this just seems like one of those games. If you're Ole Miss, I don't care if you win this game by 1, 3, 7, 30. You just got to get in here and gut out a win on the road because – it's a top, you're playing a top 25 team with a lot of experience. It's going to be fired up. This, this isn't going to, I mean, and I'm very encouraged by Ole Miss this year. I think it'll be good. I just think this is a super, super tricky game and uh, it's not, not going to be easy at all. What are your expectations for this Ole Miss team? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I think this team's going to be really good. Uh, it, it just, it, I mean, obviously it's Mercer, and so you can only take it with a grain of salt. But, I mean, I just appreciate this Kiffin era because, I mean, I used to go to the Coach O and Nut games. We scored, Ole Miss used to score 17 points against FCS schools. You know, I know that it's like taken for granted that they can run it up and score in the 70s now against Mercer, but like it hadn't been this way for long. And so I want to just give Lane props and I hope people appreciate that. Uh, as far as this team goes, look, I, I have a lot, you know, I like what Pete Golding uh, is bringing to the defense, especially on the talent level. He's doing great with the transfer portal and recruiting. I mean, it's one of those things, the schedule, just the road games this year. I mean, you at Tulane, at Bama, at Georgia, at Auburn, at Mississippi State, that's the toughest road schedule I've ever seen, ever. Because Tulane's good. And then at Auburn with Freeze and at the Egg Bowl are going to be just insanely tough. So, you know, if Ole Miss could get to eight and four, I would say a very successful year uh, because the schedule being tough. But I think they're going to be way improved from last year. Last year we saw the seven and a start, but it was against a cream puff four schedule. And down the stretch, they faded. Uh, but I think the path this year is, like, you either got to go undefeated or lose one at home and then just try to, like, got to beat Tulane and maybe, you know, win one or two of those other road games. I just don't see how you can expect to, like, you know, do win any more than, like, two and three on the road this year I think is a victory with that schedule. So the line as we t- have this conversation fairly late in the afternoon on Thursday, the line is Ole Miss minus seven. Uh, the money line is Tulane plus two fifty. So obviously the the you have to the money line for Ole Miss is minus three ten. So obviously the Vegas believes Ole Miss is going to win the game, but the number has moved down a little bit, seven and a half to seven. What do you what do you think of this game from a betting standpoint? From a betting standpoint, look, I never bet against Ole Miss ever, but there's no way I'm laying seven on the road here. I mean, I'm a hard pass. If Ole Miss wasn't my favorite team in my school, I would be looking at Tulane as a home underdog. But I also, my gambling style, anybody that knows this about me, I don't like betting road favorites in these spots, whether it's Ole Miss. It, like, just doesn't matter. These are the spots that are sneaky. I find that through the years of gambling, these are the kind of games when you're laying points on the road like this that really burn inexperienced gamblers. So, you know, my thoughts on this game, I'm not laying seven. I'm not betting on it. I just hope Ole Miss wins. I mean, I think my prediction is like Ole Miss 34-28. But – you know, I, I don't care if Ole Miss wins by one. Just they got to just pull this game out somehow. I'm like I said, you can tell I'm a little concerned about this one. This is tough. Yeah, you are more concerned. Like, I think it's going to be an easy win for Ole Miss, but I'm I'm good. I'm glad you. Maybe well, I'm wrong. The thing is with Tulane, I thought they were going to regress a lot because they lost Tajay Spears, who we're going to see on Sunday in the Superdome for the Titans. They lost two really good linebackers, but then South Alabama, who I know you were high on, came Womack. 
I like South Alabama. I took a plus six and a half to Tulane, and they got the crap kicked yeah, out. Yeah, they of just them. played badly too. You know, they yeah, had Tulane they had, had receivers running free in the second. Yeah, everywhere. The one thing I'm interested to see in this game from a schematics X and O talent standpoint is I don't, I don't know what Ole Miss is or isn't on defense. Like offensively, I, I know it's going to be a good offense. It 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 has a chance to be an elite offense. It's got a chance to be an explosive offense if if. Caden Priestcorn comes back healthy. If Zakari Franklin comes back healthy and you add them in and, and everybody stays healthy, I think Jackson Dart's taking another step as a quarterback. You've got Quinshawn Judkins. You've got Trey Harris. There's, there's enough there for me to go, you know what? This offense is going to be good. It's got a chance to be great. And it's even got a chance to be elite. Okay? You say, okay, what about the defense? And I go, I don't know. And that's not a negative. It's not a positive. It's just there's a whole bunch of new people. It's a new scheme. Um, the best player on the team defensively is a true freshman. And I just go, I don't know. I mean, if you told me, hey, this ends up being an okay defense, I'm going, okay. And, I mean, I do a show with Tyler Siski, who's made a bunch of enemies this week by saying this is a terrible, his words, his words, terrible defense. I'm not prepared to say they're terrible, but if someone said, are you prepared to say they're not? I'm like, well, not yet. I mean, I, 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 need, to, big unknown. I need to see more. And so – I do know that Tulane has a lot of speed on the outside. I, I have a ton of respect for Michael Pratt. Uh, they're they're decent up front. They don't have Spears anymore. They got to replace him, and so far they haven't. But they got a good tight end. Uh, he's he was a part of that team that won the Cotton Bowl. I do think they're going to challenge Ole Miss vertically a little bit. I think they're going to challenge Ole Miss athletically a little bit, and we'll find out much more about what Ole Miss is or isn't athletically, defensively on Saturday. Yeah, and I think also just so many new parts and a new scheme, you know, it, I mean, maybe it'll take a little bit to gel and they could improve mid to late in the season. You know, that's also very, very possible. It's it's just hard. It's That's another reason why I'm not laying the seven. It's just hard to know so, uh, with that, that, that much unknown. But – uh, what I will say is going to be fun. A uh, big reunion, huge reunion weekend. I mean, like just everybody I know literally from the last 20 years is going to this game. Uh, it's about five minutes from where I live. And a lot of people are doing Titan Saints on the doubleheader Sunday too. So what a, what a just super fun weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend. I mean, New Orleans is always fun. It's going to be interesting to see how people sort of hold up in the heat. It's going to be hot and humid. And people are used to going to New Orleans and going to the Dome, you know, and it's like – you're going to get 70 degrees. If anything, the dome's cold, you know, and so you you go in there, and this this will not be cold. It, I've not been to this new stadium. It it, it looks interesting on TV. It's it's and I, well, it's great. No, I, I went to a Central Florida game there in 2018 after it opened, and look, it it's obviously not very big, but the conven you'll appreciate the convenience of it's unreal. You just park, you walk in. They got really good con concessions. You just walk out. It's, I mean, it. it, it it, it, it's 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 awesome. I'm happy for Tulane. It's obviously paid off. They built it. Now they have a real home field advantage. They have more pride in their football program. It's great for recruiting. So I, I think it's a really big positive for New Orleans because the Superdome thing. I mean, they'd be you know, yeah, that's yeah. What, no, what I, I think it's great. I think it's it's an exciting exciting moment for Tulane. No question about it. SEC team coming in there as a uh, Tulane as the home team in a, in in their stadium. I think it's cool. All right, there's no question about it. It's good for the good for the sports. Good for that school. It's good for their league. The whole thing. All right, you mentioned you don't like road favorites. Let me ask you about a couple of teams going in as road favorites this weekend. Uh, Texas A and M going to Miami as a three and a half point favorite. Uh, Iowa going to Iowa State as a four and a half point favorite. 
What do you, you got any thoughts on either one of those? Yeah, that ain't in Miami game. You talk about it. so I'm actually came into this year. I've been bigger on AM than most this year because they they stunk last year because they couldn't move the football and the quarterback situation was a mess. But Wegman was a five star. And now bringing in Petrino, I, we'll see if Jimbo will just let Petrino run the offense. As long as there's not a power struggle, you know, I feel like their offense improves. And they had a lot of athletes on defense already. I mean, their defense was actually good last year. They just couldn't move the football. So I'm a little bigger on A&M than most. Uh, Miami's in year two under Cristobal. They looked a lot better against a crappy Mac team. But this is kind of one of those early season games, man. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I hate to sound like a cop-out, but, like, I mean, who the hell knows? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's a it's a really really tough one to read. Uh, I guess I would think I'd lean toward under after it was seventeen nine last year, but you know that they both obviously have different offenses this year too. Uh, Texas goes to Alabama. This game, everybody's talking about the national game, the six o'clock game on on ESPN. As of this moment, Texas getting seven and a half. You got any big thoughts on that one? I love I, just, I, I love Bama Texas. here. You like what? I love Bama here. Okay, yeah. Now, my thing on is this. Until I actually see Texas start winning games like this, I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt. Period. Because every, every year they're ranked high. They got all the talent, whatever. I got to see some Ws before I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. In spot like this. And I also think Milrow could be a little better. People are giving him credit for it, man. He can really run. And that opens up their playbook a lot. I mean, I, I like if you can get Bama or seven or less, I'm leaning Bama in this game. Okay. Um, Mississippi State gets uh, Arizona at home. State laying nine and a half. I think State's going to pulverize them, and I'm surprised it's only nine and a half. I know Arizona's maybe gotten a little better, but at, that's a long trip for them dealing with the Cowbells. And I mean, I, State, the thing with State, I know they started out a little slow last week, but they got a lot of experience back. And, I think Arnett's pretty – I kind of think highly of him. So, um, I think State should – I like State this week. I think they roll. You mentioned long trips. Auburn's got a long trip out to Berkeley. Auburn giving six and a half to the Cow Bears. That is a weird one. Justin Wilcox, uh, you know, Ole Miss got burned on that trip a few years ago pretty bad. I remember that with H.J. Patterson. But uh, this is one of those where, I mean – I, I'm I'm probably just staying away from it. I don't like I don't like taking the road favorite travel way out there. But I I do think Peyton Thorn's a little better than people think. I liked him at Michigan State. He doesn't really move that well, but he does throw a good deep ball. So I think Freeze can get something out of him. All right. Last year, this was super popular. People liked getting a few NFL thoughts from you because you were pretty good at, at the NFL state stuff. Because you probably no offense, didn't have some of the emotion attached to the uh, the NFL yeah. stuff as you did the college game, and you you made some people some money. Uh, we won't fool with the Thursday night game because the time people see this, uh, it'll it, that game will already be in the books. There's a handful of games on Sunday at noon. Uh, you got uh, the Texans getting nine and a half at Baltimore. You got the Bucks getting five and a half at Minnesota. The Niners giving two at Pittsburgh in a game that I like. Another game that I like. Cincinnati's a two and a half point favorite at Cleveland. Jacksonville giving five at Indianapolis. The Saints there in New Orleans at home getting uh, giving three to the Tennessee Titans. Um, Arizona is plus seven at Washington. Uh, Carolina getting three and a half in Bryce Young's debut at Atlanta. Those are the noon slate. Anything stick out to you that you're like, I, lo- I love that? Oh, yeah. You're, real quick on the college front, I want to I want to make sure before we move on, I got okay. three underdogs I like. Okay. I like Texas Tech lost at Wyoming last week. 
I like them plus six and a half at home against Oregon and Lubbock. I think Oregon's going to be a super sucker side this week. I think Texas Tech's good at home. That's a weird one. I like Washington State to upset Wisconsin. Uh, that is a weird trip for Wisconsin. Wisconsin switching to air raid with Phil Longo. That actually caters to Washington State. They're used to seeing that in the Pac-12. Wisconsin didn't impress me against Buffalo. I like Cam Ward, that Washington State quarterback. Pullman's a weird place to play. So those were kind of my two okay. uh, college underdogs I was looking at at Washington State, Texas Tech. So I just I wanted to make no, sure. No, no, that's good. That's good stuff people love. Uh, yeah, those are the two underdogs I really, really like. And also, Troy catching 17 seems like a big number at K-State. We've seen Troy fights hard. K-State historically not afraid to play close games against G5. So I'm looking at Troy in 17. Yeah, K-State, like lost, K-State lost to Tulane last year. Oh, yeah, yeah, but then – Ended up not being a bad loss, yeah. though. You know, K-State, and K-State ended up winning the Big 12 and in a BCS poll. So it shows you why Ole Miss has got to be ready on Saturday. A uh, few thoughts on pro. Okay, I'll run through it. Uh, Washington 7 over Arizona. I think that that's going to be kind of a party in the stadium after Dan Snyder's gone. And Arizona just got Josh Dobbs a week ago. Now he's starting. I, I don't know. Washington, I mean, not a team I usually like to lay out of points with, but Hal, Sam Howell looked pretty good at the end of the year. I think Washington rolls here. I think I there's going to be an energy in that stadium just off the Dan Snyder thing. I do too. It's going to be sold out, rocking. This is the first time they've been excited since like RG3 towards me up in that playoff game. That was what that 11 years ago. Uh, other stuff, there's a lot of hype on Atlanta this year, and it's real interesting because I need to see more from Desmond Ritter. Uh, I do like them bringing in Haneke as the backup. I think they can win with him. Uh, but they, you know, they – they, Arthur Smith did a good job at Tennessee as OC. I would lean Atlanta over Carolina, if anything, in that. I don't trust that Carolina line looks bad. I may catch heat for this, but I'm still got a lot of questions about Bryce Young. Oh, okay. I think, he's, I think he's too small. And not just is he too small. You watch those Bama games, the ball does not come out on time. He holds onto the ball way too long and tries to improvise and all that. And, like, yeah, that worked in college football, and I know Russell Wilson used to do it for Seattle. But, like, I, I just think that's dangerous with how small he is. I just think he needs to get the ball out a lot quicker than what I saw in college. And I had a lot of questions about him just solely because of what I saw on that front. So, I lean Atlanta. Uh, the Saints are a three-point favorite, 41-and-a-half. I think 41-and-a-half feels a little high, even with it being in the dump. I just – Tennessee's offense sucks. I mean, I, and I don't think signing a 31-year-old DeAndre Hopkins is going to change anything. They screwed themselves when they, when they let A.J. Brown go. And now that cost John Robinson, that GM, his job. Uh, and I just – I mean, I know Henry's still powerful. He's 29, but at some point – I know he's not been human, but I feel like at some point it's going to happen. So I think the Saints pull it out, but I'm leaning under 41 and a half. I, I like the Saints' weapons. I do think Carr bounces back, but week one, you know, still a lot of qu- – you know, it usually takes a little bit. The one thing I want to mention on here, I freaking love the Jaguars this year. The Jaguars are the team I'm on. They were 2-7 and seven last year. They go 7-1 and one down the stretch. Trevor Lawrence basically, you write off his whole Urban Meyer first year. That didn't even count. Doug Peterson, Monroe guy, there you go. There you Three go. Eight. There you go. Uh, I mean, just the way Lawrence developed, I love the Calvin Ridley move. You add Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram, second coming of his career. It's a great fit for him. You know, you got Ridley, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Ingram, Travis Etienne. They've got some dudes. They play a crappy schedule in the AFC South. They put the NFC South in the crossover. I think Jacksonville's crazy. 12 and 5 this year. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I'm that big, but a lot of it's the schedule. 
Lawrence is 16 to 1 MVP. I'm looking at that even. I think he takes a huge step forward. Uh, they should kick the crap out of Indy. Anthony Richardson, it's going to be interesting. He can run. But look, call me old fashioned. Look, and I'm no scout. I don't claim to be a scout. But you know, my buddy always taught me this. You know what I like when evaluating college quarterbacks, whether they're going to be good in pro football? Do they win football games? Yes. Yeah. Richardson went six and six at Florida and completed 53% of his passes. Lost to Vanderbilt. I know he won. But, man, he was so erratic throwing the football. He's going to struggle to throw for 100 yards a game this year sometimes. And so I think Jacksonville could come in. I'm not normally a road favorite guy, but I think Jacksonville uh, makes a big statement there. Cincy, Cleveland, I don't really know what to think. It's a rivalry game. Uh, Watson looked bad last year. We'll see if he steps back forward. And then the 49ers and Steelers, I'm looking at under 41 and a half. Okay. Uh, Purdy is supposed to be healthy. I know a lot of people like Pickett, but man, those teams play defense. And I, I think this is just going to be an old school slugfest. All right. We got some 325 games. Philadelphia uh, goes to New uh, Oh, yeah. Last one. I forgot to mention. Oh. I think the Ravens destroy Houston. Terrible spot for C.J. Stroud to have to play his first NFL game on the road against Baltimore. And no one tears it up in September like Lamar Jackson. It's true. Beginning of the year, when he's healthy, he goes off these first few weeks. But then when it starts getting a little colder, he gets a little banged up, he slows down. And the Ravens uh, made a real sneaky offensive coordinator hire getting Todd Monken for Georgia, who did looked unbelievable. Yeah. I yeah. think that's a good little sneaky hire by them. Yeah. So I think the Ravens, uh, I'm not normally one to lay a lot, but I, I think they just, I mean, they just, it's going to get bloody in that game. All right, we got the uh, th- Eagles. Yeah, three twenty-five. We got Eagles at, at New England. The Eagles uh, laying four. The Dolphins go across the country. They play the Chargers. They get three. Uh, Green Bay and the Packers renew that NFC North rivalry. Uh, Green Bay, a one-point underdog, their first game in the Jordan Love era. Uh, the Rams go uh, up the coast to play Seattle. The Rams getting five in Seattle. The Raiders go to Denver for the Sean Payton uh, era. The Raiders get three and a half at Mile High or Invesco, or whatever the hell they call it now. The Eagles-Pats is the hardest game to handicap of the week uh, to me. Because the Eagles-4, I know the Eagles are going to be public. That one, I've, I've had real, real problems figuring out all week. But also, you know, I, I tell you all, I don't like taking the road favorites. Uh, Rams-Seattle, 46 and a half is too high. Uh, Cooper Cup's going to be out. Look, I know Geno was this big bounce-back story last year, and he ended up with these great ratings and stuff, but – he was on fire early in the year. They couldn't score down the stretch. And so these Rams-Seattle games usually are a little lower scoring. Uh, I, I like under 46 and a half. They're two teams that are familiar with each other. Seattle's never been able to block Aaron Donald. He always torches them. Um, so I just think that 46 and a half is way too high there. Uh, actually, believe it or not, like the Bears a little bit because I like Justin Fields. Okay. I mean, he, you know, that's the college thing. I mean, he won in college that Clemson playoff game and – you know, we saw his legs last year. I've always thought DJ Moore is underrated. I thought that was a good move by them. Get finally give him a receiver. I think he's got some better weapons. I'm not going to even pretend to know how Jordan Love's going to be, but I do know I don't like the weapons. I don't like I, Christian Watson's a little banged up with a hamstring. You know, I thought last year when I watched Green Bay, man, they just after they traded Adams, they just didn't have the dudes anymore. And that's kind of one of those games where the Packers have owned the Bears. For so long, the Bears want to win. That's like a soup, you know, it's a little bit of a Super Bowl week one for them to finally get them back. So I actually like the Bears laying one there. Raiders, Denver, I'm on under 44 and a half. I love Sean Payton, as does any Saints fan. But the Russ thing, I, I don't know if he can be saved. I mean, it's, it's what, what I saw at him last year, I mean, it, it wasn't good. 
Um, and, but I do think Denver has a good defense, and I don't believe in Garoppolo either. So I think 44 and a half is too high. I actually think that's a game where you almost could bring the under down to like 38 and a half at, at two or three to one. I, I could see that game being like a 2017 type game. Uh, Miami and the Chargers, I like over 51 and a half. I think this thing could get wild uh, with both passing attacks and all the weapons they've got. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, who are never healthy, actually healthy to start the year for the Chargers. Herbert's good. And two also healthy to start the year. I just I feel like that game could get kind of a little crazy. Am, am I crazy to love the Giants on the Sunday night game? New York getting three and a half at home against Dallas. I'm I'm just not. I'm on them with you. I, I, I look. I'm a Brian Dable. The man can coach football. Yes. And Daniel Jones took massive step forwards last year. He's good with his legs too. Uh, Giants are tough at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. You know, I like the Giants plus three and a half, too. I mean, I feel like that's a pick em game where you get three and a half. And, you know, a lot of people are on this Giants regression thing this year, but I'm not, I like them more than people think. They're over unders only like seven and a half, eight wins. Yeah. I think they're yeah. a nine, 10 win team. I, I like them. Oh, yeah. I, I like them too. a lot. I think they're good. Yeah. I know there was, there, you know, they, they need somebody to step up at receiver. They got Darren Waller tied in. I don't know if that's going to work out or not. He's athletic. At least he's a skill matchup thing, but. Uh, but, yeah, I think the Giants are going to be pretty good. Getting three and a half, I mean, I'm on them with you, too. All right, last one, the Monday night game. We got the uh, beginning of the uh, Aaron Rodgers era in uh, in New York with the Jets. The uh, Jets at home entertaining the Buffalo Bills. The Bills a two-and-a-half-point favorite in a game that a lot of people are going to really overreact to on Monday night when it's over. Yeah, I mean, well, okay, so th this one's been tough on me all week. The Bills actually were shaky on the road last year. You know, the Jets actually beat them last year, 2017, Yeah. when I don't even know who was starting at quarterback. I think it might have been. It was, Mike, it was Mike White. It was Mike White that game. Okay. Well, either way, like the Buff, the Bills, so we talked about why Brian Dable is doing so well for the Giants. I thought the Bills really suffered without him going from him to Ken Dorsey as OC last year. I know they still score a lot of points, but I, I don't think it was the same. But it's also the Jets, you know, Rodgers' first game. I feel like the Jets will improve as the year goes on, kind of like – I mean, I'm not saying they're going to do what Brady and the Bucks did his first year winning the Super Bowl, but, you know, they kind of were struggling early and got better, which I think is very possible. But I, I think I'm Jets here or nothing. Okay. That one. Man, that's great stuff. Watch out for Garrett Wilson, by the way. I think he'd be a top five receiver with Rodgers. Oh, yeah, I, I do too. Hey, I uh, appreciate the time as always. I know you're going to have a fun time uh, this weekend in New Orleans with all the Ole Miss people coming down. I hope, uh, hope you get a chance to visit with everybody. I'm so excited about kind of the next chapter for you and um, su super hopeful we can kind of do this on a regular basis. And oh, talk, yeah. Talk I love, look, I always love coming on here. I hope we can do it weekly. Yep. I'll also be back in Oxford for the LSU weekend too. Okay, so. cool. All right, Ben. Yeah, uh, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for enjoying. Uh, thanks for spending some time with us. We certainly enjoyed it. That's Ben Mintz. I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. If you're driving to New Orleans or anywhere else, please be safe, be careful, and we will talk to you again on Monday. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.